You listen to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And it's a pleasure to be with you once again for another episode of Real Talk. On this episode, we're going to chat a bit about what's in the news, the whole January 6th committee and the insurrection. So sit back, relax, and I'll be right back. So good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the 247 Real Talk podcast. It is pretty late. It is Thursday, July 14th. It's about 11.36 p.m. I'm pretty late this week with recording my episodes, which is due at, you know, 1 a.m. every Friday morning. How was your week? Before I tell you about mine, I hope you had a great week since we last uh, had an episode. I hope it was productive, and I hope that uh, you're enjoying, depending on where you are, I guess, if you're in New York or in the East Coast, you're enjoying the weather and enjoying your summer, because before you know it, it will be over. Um, my week was pretty uneventful, it's, you know, the weather and the usual tiredness that comes with living in New York and the commute back and forth and, you know... Um, some businesses and, and organizations not willing to flex a little bit and give us a little bit of hybrid schedule so that, you know, we can sort of maximize our quality of life. And and, and on this episode, I'm a, I want to talk about the January 6th committee a bit and the whole insurrection thing. Um, from a layman's perspective, I've been following some of the news, but I've been interacting with people as well, but you know, before I do that, let me let me touch a little bit on the whole hybrid thing again. You know, we've been over how much value it brought to your family life and and how much time in life it gave gave you know gave you back and and how how we realized how much it meant once we started, um, you know, working hybrid, um, or actually working remotely for all that time during COVID. You know, I think that one of the challenges I'm having, which my body's um, having some difficulty adjusting to, is going from full remote back to full time at work. You know, um, I get up at 4 a.m. and I get home uh, a little after 5 p.m. So... You know, that's a 13 hour, 13 plus hour day of just, that's just dedicated to work, meaning getting up, getting ready for work, you know, getting ready and then commuting, I don't know, almost an hour on the railroad and then walking another 15, 20 minutes to work and then leaving work, walking another 15, 20 minutes back to the railroad, another, uh, yeah, so it's an hour to get home to, or to get to the railroad station and then driving home. And so if you take, you know, if you figure I get to work just before seven, I get up at four, 
the commute and the getting ready, the whole nine is about three hours. And then coming home, it's another two point something hours. So a little over five hours of time is just spent on that commute. Like number one could be spent doing some work, even for my job, because if I'm home, you know, you don't really look at the clock that much. But also, that's a lot of time that's taken from my life. You know, when you really want to think about it, when you really put some thought into it, life is precious. And, you know, you sort of don't know miss what you're missing until you tried it, right? So for years, I've been at my job now. I'm in my 31st year at my job. And... You know, for years, you went through this routine of getting up and getting dressed and going to work. And, you know, and we took it as what should be normal because it just was. And then you get this, uh, this thing called a pandemic. And, you know, they, in, in life, they say even out of every evil comes good. So even out of every bad comes some good. And out of the bad of the pandemic came some good in the sense that we got to um, recognize the value of having more time with our families, having more time to rest. You know, and it's it's crazy because I know that you know the city and cities around and the, the country need to come back and businesses need to come back, but you know it's 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 a shame that somewhere there can't be a balance that's found where 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 our leaders can recognize the value that we received from working remotely, look at their need to have us uh, uh, support certain services in the city to keep the economy going. And find a midpoint that a little give and take that gives us something back and, you know, and still allows us to contribute. Because I'll be honest with you, the, you know, it, it's still the same in my office. People come in and they stay to themselves and they, you know, there's a few little groups that communicate, you know, in groups during lunch. You know, they're a little bit more relaxed now because everybody's been vaccinated and the, um, you know, even though they know they can still get the, what's it in B5, the new Omicron v, B5 variant. They're, they're less afraid because we've been told that the, the effect of it of, you know, or the likelihood of death is, is, is very slim unless you have major underlying, um, issues. I still wear my mask. Um, I go in my office. I close my door. Most people are like that. People who know each other well come in and speak to each other now and then when they keep their masks on, but the social, there's two things that happened here, or a few things. And as I said, I'm sorry to digress from my initial um, intention here, but we will get to the January 6th thing in a second. And this will not be a long episode because I obviously have to finish the episode and edit it and post it before it's due in the morning. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the things that, one of the other things that politicians and leaders sort of um, alluded to was the need for us to be social people, you know, and, and the lack of the, 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 the dynamic of being social that was lost because of the pandemic, because of people being um, isolated at home. But I think now that we have um, reemerged, I think that people define social interaction differently. And I'm not talking about social media interaction. I'm talking about human interaction. I think people have recognized that we can still have social interaction, but because the pandemic forced us into a certain mold that we choose who we socialize with a lot more, we're a lot more careful about it now. So I think people, you know, what, what, what has happened here is People are not dependent on this on the workplace for social interaction anymore. They have other 
uh, ways of meeting with friends and family and, and, and coworkers who are friends, you know, that, that are external of the workplace. And, you know, that, yeah, I find that in a, a long way to be an actually, an actual good thing because two reasons. One, because we spent so much time at work pre pandemic that, you know, people would say your work family becomes your family more than your home family because you spend more time with them. But I, I think there's a lot of destruction in, in that old model because we know, everybody knows that you, you spend a lot of time with your work family and there's so much contention going on there because people don't trust each other. People cut each, other throat, each other's throats and you spend a whole lot of time, you know, of, of, of having, you know, some, some laughs and some jokes and, and working together. But there's also a lot of contention in there, a lot of underlying anger and hate in those environments. Choosing your social circle and being able to do so and recognizing the who is important to you and, and, and make an effort to spend the time with those who are more important to you at home is, is what the new mold is, is what the new, um, what we were forced to do because of the pandemic. So, I, you know, I don't see the same interaction in workplaces anymore. And, and, then, and then in terms of the economy, I look at the stores around where I am Many of them closed. Um, some of them closed even after we came back from the pandemic. And, and, and it's, it's, it's fair to say that as I walk around the office, I see very few people at the elevator, at, you know, at any, any one of the lunch periods going out to lunch. If they're going out, they're going out for a walk to get some fresh air. But people recognize the monetary savings from not spending so much. And, and let's face it, you know, I, I remember seeing people go down to the cafeterias in my building or the, 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 the food, the food, there's a couple of food places and spending 11, $12 a day on lunch, you know, and it became a norm and somehow you fit that into your budget, right? But then you spend two years not doing it. You realize that money can be used so much better in so many different ways. And, you know, you, 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 you give up a little bit of laziness and you make your, your lunch uh, and you bring it to you at work and you save a whole lot of money and, once you recognize those savings, it's very hard to go back to doing what you were before. So those businesses are still struggling and they're still crumbling and bringing all the people back into the city might help a little bit, but you know, we, our mindsets have changed permanently. We've been given a chance, you know, to recognize and see a better way. And once you give someone a chance and what, once circumstances, you know, it wasn't someone gave us, circumstances forced us to see a better way. We recognize that and, and, and we're not going back to the way it was. You know, th those people who lost loved ones, who lost grandparents and parents and children to the pandemic recognize that when they looked at their lives going to work, there was so much precious time they could have spent with that person. But instead, they spent it at work. They spent it not even at work, but traveling. You know, five hours a day is a lot of time. It, it, you know, we, we need to recognize the value of life over everything else first. And this is what I'm struggling with and my frustration with our, our officials and the people who can help make a balance in our lives. You know, life does not allow you to go back and say, ah, I just did the, five, the last five hours. I just messed it up. Let me do a redo. No. So every single day when you get up and you go to work and you lose those five hours of commute, they're lost forever. And if you add them up over, you know, if, if you're blessed enough to live to 70 or 80 and you add it up over your lifespan, you realize how much time, how much precious time, how much time you could have spent extra lying in bed with your spouse or sitting with your child or doing something. How much of that time is gone and is gone for good 
and it's gone for good because, quite frankly, you can't get it back. And what was it spent doing? Nothing that you wanted to do. It was spent, you know, following someone else's someone else's um mandate just so you could have a livelihood. I've looked at 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 at, at my uh, employer at, at my location where I work, and I see every day the workforce is shrinking. And and it, it's very obvious right now that people are leaving faster than we can, you know, hire. And that is a fact because apart from budgetary constraints, you know, with all the challenges are coming back and inflation and all of that, there are companies out there recognizing the savings, number one, that they make by not having to keep all that real estate to have employees by having employees work from home. Number two, they recognize that they get more out of the employee because of the lack of commute. The employees are willing to put that extra time in at no, at no cost to the employer. Number three, they recognize that they have a happier, happier and healthier employee because let's face it, you know, you know, even when you're, you're not feeling well, you know, sometimes you get up in the morning and you're not feeling well, you have a cold. Don't make it anything severe, just a cold. But the fact that you have to get up and make that commute, you know, and you, if you have enough sick time or whatever, you pick up the phone and say, I'm not coming in today. I don't feel well. Well, people who are working from home will get up and go to their computer and still do their job because they're home. They can self-medicate and still do the job. So you find less, you know, what, what, what the statistics I have read uh, you know, say is you got less people out sick. You got more productivity. You have happier employees. Now, there are always anomalies, right? There are always the people who, whose, whose homes, and that's unfortunate, whose homes are more miserable than their workplaces or, or whose homes present more challenges and more unhappiness than their workplace, and their workplace is their getaway, thus the hybrid. Because if you have a hybrid and you say, look, you know what, you can, you can work from home three days, you can come in two days, that doesn't stop someone from coming in all five days if they find that that's what works for them. But I bet you the majority of the workforce will do the opposite. They'll take the three days hybrid and they'll add the value back to their lives. They'll add the time back to their lives. And, and we all know it. You know, time is so precious. Since I've been back on the job, let, let, me, let me change that. In the last three months, I think I've, I've heard uh, probably three people or two or three people who I worked with who are still in the job who've died. Death has always, always had a powerful impact on every single, or every human being I know. I mean, I guess there's some people who are numb to it, but, and seeing people who work with you drop dead, and I literally dropped dead, one with a heart attack, I think one with a stroke, recognizing that they came back to work. And because of the fact that we're living a new world, we're still dealing with the effects of the pandemic, Many of us who had COVID, even like myself, don't really know the long-term effects of it yet. Many of us don't even know the long-term effects of the vaccinations that we had to take or were forced to take, however you look at it. And so to come back out of your home after spending time, you know, valuable time and, 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 and drop dead on the job, is, it just seems like unfair. It seems like somebody stole your life. Because that, you know, if, if, if you knew that, you know, we obviously don't know when we're going to die, but <clears throat> if you knew that, I'm sure, and you had a choice, I'm sure you would have said, you know what, no, I'm going to choose to spend this time with my family. I'm going to choose to spend this time not commuting. 
it's it's so hard because I understand that that people, you know, especially officials, have certain financial obligations, and they're trying to make, you know, they're trying to meet certain goals and and, and meet certain income needs. But at the same time, you've got to take care of your most vital and most critical asset, and that's the employee. Not to mention that um, the health, the mental health, the, the physical health, you know, there, there are people who are still, who still have um, residual effects from having COVID. And, and, the, and, and the mental you know, health is the other thing because it was, a, it was a very difficult time. I mean, I'm not going to rehash it, but mentally it was stressful even for some people who, who never got COVID. And so, you know, I don't know how much more to appeal to, to, to our officials to think about this in a productive way, think about this in a future thinking way, think about this as a leader who doesn't take the easy way out. You know, there's, there's always one more than one solution to a problem. And if you put the employee first and the employee's health first and recognize first, you know, list the benefits that, 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 Someone working at least hybrid, someone working remotely is, is fantastic, but at least hybrid. Think about the benefits, because even the buildings we went back into, those huge buildings, they didn't really have any major, you know, they changed the filters and the air conditioning, but, you know, there's not a whole lot more they did, I don't believe, in, 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 in cleaning the air that we breathe in those buildings and, and making sure that, that, you know, if there's a new variant and someone coughs and it goes through the air vent, you know, that there's any kind of, um, prevention for the people, you know, they, they, I don't have any barriers up or any distancing or none of that stuff on my job. Since I went back, that stuff was gone and some of it never existed. So, you know, and then there's some of these businesses that, that, are, that believe in this concept of, of open floor planning, you know, they, they do away with offices and they have just a whole, it's, it's cheaper when they do construction to do away with offices and just have a whole wide empty floor with cubicles you know, that's just a germ harvesting environment that they're creating. But they're looking at it from a from a from a perspective that's not the employee's perspective. They haven't asked the employees what they would like. They they just you know they 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 believe they know what's right for us, and so they do it. And we we just we just live with the consequences. Anyway, enough about that. Um, I just had to say that because as I. You know, as I struggle daily, and and I've and I be honest with you, I've felt I, I I'm feeling the effects of I don't know if it's the effects of COVID, whatever, but I don't I'm not recuperating. You know, rest wise, no matter how much I rest, I'm tired. I'm I'm very tired. I'm tired every day. I'm not the same physically I that I was before. You know, in 2020 and before I had COVID, I just am not. I don't have the same level of energy. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really tired. I, you know, I do things like come home from work and, you know, talk to the kids a little bit or whatever. And I go lie down. And the next thing I know, I jump up and, and I've been sleeping for three hours. And it's not something that's happening once in a while. It's almost happening daily now. And I get up and I'm exhausted. And I, and, and, and thankfully I don't, you know, during the week, I don't have to do a whole lot. I try when I, when I iron my clothes. I try to iron clothes for two, three days so that I don't, you know, I even remove those simple tasks and I go back to bed and I, I sleep the, the entire night and I wake up at 4 a.m. And guess what? I'm exhausted. And by the time I get to Wednesday or Thursday of a week, I'm not just dragging. I'm literally struggling for survival to make it into work and make it home. 
And that just rips away at my productivity when I'm at work. Anyway, let's move on quickly to the January 6th committee and the whole insurrection thing. I just, I don't have a lot to say about it at this point because I'm still waiting for the hearings to be over and for all the information to come out. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how difficult it is to actually get honest information because what I find incredible is I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you know, there's obvious, it's obvious, first of all, that what happened was a disgrace and embarrassment to this country, supposedly the greatest democracy in the world and the, and the greatest, you know, country in the world, you know, to see these people climbing up on the, on, on the capital, like, you know, I, I, I tried to think, the only thing I can think about that, that resembles it that I've seen in movies is the back in the, the show, the old movies in the Roman days when they're trying to climb over the walls to get into the castle to, 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 to kill the emperor or something. You know, that's the kind of image it, 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 it portrayed not only locally, but internationally. It was an embarrassment to us. <clears throat> and here we are, people who are trying to find excuses. You have people from, look, whether you like or, or hate, you know, whatever side you're on, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter or a nobody supporter, it's not about that to me. It's about a country that's supposed to be united and supposed to show some level of discipline did not. And we were, we were a poor example of democracy. We were a poor example when, and I'm going to tell you my personal beliefs, whether you like it or not, okay? You know, it's obvious to me, unless you are so, and it's amazing to see how politicians will spin the truth I mean, it, 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 it's beyond sad. It angers me to hear some Republicans who twist every single point in a different way to try to make it seem that this didn't happen, to try to make it seem that there's no culpability on this side, to try to make it seem that this is a witch hunt. This is not a witch hunt, okay? To me, this is an attempt to show the world that we do have some level of of, of democracy and fairness, you know, and, that we bark about to the rest of the world. I don't know why anybody thinks that whether you like President Trump's policies or you like him as a person or you like his game shows or his uh, reality shows or whatever, I don't care. You've got to be, you know, something's got to be wrong with you if you have brainwashed yourself into believing what he says. If you brainwashed yourself into believing that what he, a lot of what he said is the truth. He is a human being who wanted to stay in power I mean, it's been proven time and time again. He's been caught on recordings. He's been caught on of, of the, the man's character, okay? Now, separate the two things. If you think he did well for you economically, that's your business. And you have a right to feel that way if it worked for you. And it probably worked for a lot of wealthy people because that's what he did. But the, the, the problem is, you know, in the middle of there, you're a leader of, of, of this huge country, of the greatest country in the world. And, you know, your, your hesitancy to... to, 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 to um, speak out against, you know, you know, supremacy and racism, and then, you know, you're being caught in lie after lie. And, and, and when your own inner circle of people, you know, what, here's what's crazy about this. One thing I've always known about the Republican Party, and, and I had to admire about them, even though I don't support it. And, and listen to me carefully. When I use the word admire, I use it very carefully here. Because what I'm saying is, they, 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 they always portrayed themselves as a party of unity, meaning if they, if they lied, the entire party lied together. So that they created this impenetrable front that, that 
you know, you looked at it, you knew it was a lie, but you just couldn't get, you just couldn't get past it to, to, to break down those walls. But here we are in, 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 as times are changing, and there are a lot of, of, of members of the Republican Party who have turned their backs on those lies and who are openly, you know, bearing the, the, the or, 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 uh, airing their, their dirty laundry. And so what the, the Republican Party has done in response to that is attack their own members. And I guess, you know, in, 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 when you look at a pack of wolves feeding, I guess that's, that's expected to be, you know, the response. And maybe that's the only, uh, the only option they have to preserve anything uh, that looks like a party because obviously when people defect in the way they are of the Republican Party, when many of the president's insiders have now testified against him, and I've, I've told, when I say testified against him, let's, say, let's not say testified against him. They've testified to the truth. And that truth happens to expose him for what was done. It is scary. You know, we talk about all these things about, and, and, and when I try to tie this in the bigger circle, we talk about all these things about, let's say the Second Amendment, and we talk about things where people right to be armed and protect themselves against you know, government. And I've said to you before, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you know, there needs to be some ability for people to stand against a government that gets fully corrupted. What we're looking at here, or what we're looking at what happened for the January 6th insurrection is a, is, is a, is a, is a government, is a party that became so powerful and so corrupted. And it's, it's, it's in our faces now what was done and what, you know, again, there's no reason for that many insiders to come out against their party if they, you know, if, if, there's, if, you, if they're all lying. That doesn't make sense. Why would I be a part of, the, of this powerful uh, mechanism in politics and, and come out and just lie against them for no reason? Most of the people who are standing here and believing or publicly standing with, with what the, what the uh, ex-president did, President Trump did, don't believe it. I'm, I'm very sure don't believe it within the core of their being. I've met a young lady or, or a lady the other day. She wasn't that young, but I met a lady the other day at a store at Macy's. I was buying something and she was, she was chit-chatting and stuff. And then somehow we got to the economy and as I'm waiting for her to wrap this gift, she's got the politics. And she says, you know, I said something about you know, Biden, and she said, oh, yeah, you know what? He didn't even win. And I'm looking at this woman like, listen, lady, I don't care whether you like it. You've heard me on this podcast speak out against President Biden and what's going on in the White House. But the fact of the matter is, you don't rig 5 million votes in the United States of America. Don't be stupid now. And forgive me for saying that, but this is just, this ignorance has gone on long enough, okay? There are a bunch of people, 72 million people, who, whether it be for economics, whether it be for, for racism, whether it be for celebrity, whatever, there's 72 million people that voted and said, I want President Trump back in office. There are 80, sorry, 77 million. There are 82 million people who said, I don't trust him. I don't believe him. I'm tired of him making a disgrace of the White House. I want him out even for the things he's said and done and, and has refused to say and do. And don't get me wrong, you've heard me on my podcast call out a few things that I thought were good that President Trump did. You know, in every human being, even the worst of human beings, there's some good if you can find it. And there's things that he did. I'm not going to go over them then, but I've, I've said it publicly. But, it, but 
you know, 5 million votes and then the lies and then the phone calls to people, you know, and they're trying to speak to us as American people and we should be insulted. As American people, I don't care what part you belong to, you should be insulted to think that these people go stand there in public and look at you and say, it didn't happen. They're trying to sell us a story and, and, and look at us and say, you know, this is all parts and parts of wish on it didn't happen. Even in the biggest of lies, there's some truth. So what do you mean it didn't happen? All these people are making up these stories in these details, these, these details that, that in any other case, a murder case, a rape case, whatever it is, if a, if a jury got this kind of evidence, they will convict. And they're trying, you know, I, I spoke to another friend of mine and our acquaintance of mine, and he looked at me and says, you know, you know, January 6th, you know, the insurrection never happened. You know, there were no people and no weapons there. I'm looking at this dude like, okay, so your TV must be different from mine. Or are you saying that somehow, you know, they went to commercial break and staged this whole thing as a commercial? You had people who, 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 who ripped apart the core of what our, this country is, democracy, freedom, right to speech, right to, right to live, right to work, you know, right to survive. People who went to the Capitol and were trying to capture politicians and kill them or kidnap them. That is, the, that is not only lunacy, that is, that is lawlessness to the point that, that that shouldn't exist in this great nation of ours. And now people are being held accountable and it's being seen as partisan, Okay, and I understand that there are more Democrats than Republicans on the committee, but there's a reason for that. Too. There's a reason for that because we've seen how corruptible many of the Republicans are. Look at the 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 incident that happened in Staten Island a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you know, the, the, the mayor of New York spoke out about that, and I'm going to join him in in speaking out about this because that is deplorable. You know, the rest of the nation can turn a blind eye to it, but we're not going to let it die. Okay, Rudy Giuliani's son was running for the primary for governor of, of New York. And they went to Staten Island. And while he was there doing a, a, a campaign speech or whatever, this guy walked by a worker in the place where he was and tapped him on the back. When I say tap him, a tap like, hey, buddy, how you doing? I mean, you could see it. But at the time, nobody saw it. He came out on TV. He went on several talk shows. I saw him on TV talking about, all of a sudden, he felt this smack, this lash, this thunderous hit on his back. And, and you know, like, like he tried to portray it as he was knocked senseless for a moment. And this person, you know, slammed him on his back and he didn't know what happened and all these. And he went all over TV. And he said this and he, and he, and he, and he, and he, he repeated it. And they, they got their employee who, who, they, who he accused of doing it. They locked the guy for 24 hours. But in this great country and, and this great state of ours where the cameras everywhere, a, ca a video shot was quickly produced to show the guy tapped him almost like a feather on his back. And so they obviously released the guy from jail right away. But you, put, you know, I can't imagine if you're innocent, if you live your life a certain way, I'll be honest with you, I live my life a certain way. I, try, I stay away from trouble. I'm kind to others. I follow the law. I don't want to spend any time in, in handcuffs, much less in jail. This man spent 24 hours of his life. Again, you don't get back any time of your life that someone takes away from you. So if they're going to take it away, they better take it away for the right reasons. We know this as minorities. How many of us have lost precious lives, precious years? Some people, you know, with, because of DNA testing now, 
have been released from prison after 20, 30 years of being wrongfully convicted. And I can't even speak to that. Maybe some other time I'll do an episode on that. But right now, this guy spent 24 hours in jail because Rudy Giuliani lied. And he didn't just, just, you know, this is not here, say, behind closed doors through some committee. He was all over the TV talking about it before he realized the video existed. And this is the same person now they want you to trust the part of the Republican Party to tell you the truth about what President Trump and he were doing back behind closed doors to try to state a coup in the greatest country of the world because he lost the election. He was trying to hold on to the seat. He was being a bully, a liar, a cheat. I don't care whether you like what I'm saying or not because if you are someone who supports President Trump and you are honest and decent human being, then you support the truth as well. If after all this happened and you still like him for president, you have that right. That's a democracy. But don't go about here lying and making it seem that you're somehow the intelligence of everybody else in the country is, 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 is lacking and that somehow whatever this man says, you're going to twist it and you're going to rationalize it in your head as much as you can to make it seem like the truth or everybody else is lying on him. He's a despicable person. Now, being a despicable person and being a good leader or being a good politician or having some good policies, those are all independent things. And we can argue those differently. And I'll argue against you know, some of those things too. But the point is, you have heard me. This is real talk. You've heard me talk about President Biden and, and the things he's doing, the things he's, 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 he's failed to do and the promises he's failed to keep and the impact he's having on some minorities and lies. You heard me talk about student loans and his promises and, and, his, and the weakness of the Democratic Party because whether you like it or hate it with the Republican Party, even in a, in a facing such a, such a, a blatant uh, display of, of being in uh, lack of morals and lack of ethics, you know, the lack of scruples, they're still... Standing, be, they're standing behind not what they believe, because I don't believe they believe what they're showing the public, but they're standing as a body doing what they have to do. Here you have President Biden who made promises about student loans and all these, you know, especially student loans, because it's a big issue. Every day I talk to people, it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And here you have a man who made promises and just doesn't have the, the backbone to stand up against the Republican Party, to stand up against what, who, you know, and do the right thing regardless of the circumstances in 2024. You're doing more damage to the Democratic Party. You're doing more damage to minorities. And you're doing more damage to your chances of, 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 of repeating in 2024 if you run because the, the people who stood there, the 82 million people who stood there with you when you made certain promises and every promise you made means something different to someone else, all those people are about to turn their backs on you. Because you've turned your backs on us. That's the bottom line. You know, Jan, the, the whole insurrection was a shame on this country. Countries around the world, everybody has their own problems, but countries around the world that we tried to seem superior to were laughing at us. A friend of mine sent me, and I meant to get the file into my, uh, into my board so I could play you the audio. And I failed to do so, my schedule, my tiredness or whatever. Um, and so I want to see if I could find the audio and put it up to my mic here. It might not be the best um, quality 
And I apologize for that. But it was, I think it was an Irish uh, person that was speaking. And I want to play it for you because I want to hear, will you hear what other countries uh, feel about American democracy? And the, and, the, and the fact of the matter is I can't argue with it. So I'm going to play this for you and hopefully you can hear it. And please forgive the quality of the audio. I'll try to turn the mic towards the... Uh, the, the phone here and put it on speaker and hopefully it works. Let's try to do this. A woman's right to choose is a human right. Why are we so quiet about challenging the U.S. when they threaten human rights? Some people have said in here, oh, we can't be talking. Why, why, how dare we talk about the U.S.? Well, we talk about everybody else. Is the U.S. a functioning democracy? Well, let's have a look at it. It costs $2 billion to become president. They're 25% of the total prisoners in the world. They spend over 800 billion a year on arms, which is uh, more than most of the world put together. They've been at war for 250 years since their state was formed 275 years ago. But they can't afford universal health care. They can't afford the 1.7 trillion debt forgiveness for students. They can't afford a program for the, one pint, for the 17 million children that go to bed hungry. Is this a functioning democracy? What's your idea of a democracy? Bernie Sanders wasn't even allowed to win the nomination for the Democrats. The Americans couldn't spell democracy. And that's what the world thinks about us, okay? They think that about us because we, this, is what, this is what they're seeing. And, and, and it's hard to argue with what he's saying. Whether you like it or not, whether you're embarrassed by it or not, um, it's hard to imagine, you know, the truth. And the bottom line is that, you know, the, the, he's true. You know, you can't afford to give your student uh, forgiveness when you created a situation where they can't succeed. Okay? You can't afford to, to support the, the, the universal health care um, so that um, the people that you, 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 um, trying to help actually get the benefit and the cost doesn't keep going up and, you know, health, healthcare companies don't keep dropping the, the, you know, parts of service. You know, it's crazy. I mean, we have to go into have another real talk conversation at some point about the healthcare industry and the actual truth of it. I also want to have a conversation with you about credit at some point and what the credit system has done to minorities. But I'm not, I don't, I don't want to digress so I can finish up this episode. You know, so the bottom line is while we sit down as, 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 as people around this country to have conversations and we're hating each other simply because of the color of our skins, we're hating each other because of the, the party we belong to, we're hating each other because of our socioeconomic uh, category, so to speak. When we look at the people at the top that we've elected to represent us, we should be ashamed. I want all of you who can get a copy or get, or, or get to look, and I'm sure it's all over the internet and YouTube, to look at the insurrection again that day, to look at the videos that came out. Tell me if that's representative of the greatest country in the world. Tell me if that's representative of a democracy. 
Tell me if that, even that's even the, uh, representative of, of who we portray ourselves to be. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, the Capitol Police got overwhelmed in the Capitol. I mean, even that shouldn't have happened. We, you know, you go, you look at other countries and you want to call them totalitarian or whatever, but, you know, there's countries around the world where you couldn't get within a mile of, 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 of their capital like that, you know, and, 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 and an institution that represents so much of a country, you know, and these people got right up in through the windows, through the doors, had sort of the, 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 the politicians you know, locked in chambers and, and a few secret service that I think there was one person who jumped through the window and got shot and killed uh, on, on the inside of that is into, into the chamber, but they were in trouble. And, and somehow Americans felt that that one, I mean, this is this is crazy. I'm gonna liken this a little bit to for those of you who have never heard of it. Many years ago, and I, I won't quote the year because I don't remember. But in Guyana, in South America, there was a man called Jim Jones, and he had opened up a cult, and he had gotten many Americans to fly down there and live with him in in the in the interiors of Guyana, in in in, in and and created a whole community of his cult and. In the end, he, 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 he put cyanide or whatever in Kool-Aid and had them knowingly drink this cyanide and lie down and die. Um, he had brainwashed them and convinced them that that was what was supposed to happen at that point. And so they, they lined up and they took, you know, there's a few people who tried who didn't want to do it, but most of them. And then there were guys with guns who, who coerced anyone else who felt that they wanted to have a thought of their own and do something else and escape and, People just drank the Kool-Aid and went and lay down and the cyanide and died. I forgot, you know, I forgot how many people died, but it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. 900 and something. I don't remember what the number was. It's been a long time ago. But my point is, when the rest of the world saw that, including the United States, because there was a congressman, Leo Ryan, I think was his name, who went down to Guyana to investigate this. And on his way out, he was shot and killed on the, on the runway uh, because of what he had seen. And so... When you think about this, you know, you think about that, it's sort of, you know, you've got so many people in this country drinking the Kool-Aid. People who don't even have to take the time. And I don't, you know, I understand some of us may be challenged because we, you know, there are a lot of people around this country, even though they, they, they stand behind what happened, they, they haven't even had the opportunity to even have an education, to even be exposed to anything. To, to, and they, they don't know a lot of the facts. And so they basically just... Um, going by what they hear, but the, you know, when you see something like that, when you have, when you allow yourself to not have your own thoughts, but be influenced by one person or a party, when you have gotten to a point where no matter what a person says, you know, you you're able to twist it to make you su- to support what you want to support because you can't face the truth. You know, it's like you see someone drive drunk go down the road, leave a bar, drive drunk, go down the road and run over someone and kill them. Those are the facts. And if you're on one side of the story, you say, you know what, he's guilty of drunk driving. He went down the road, he left the bar, he knew he was drinking, he was speeding and he ran over and he killed someone. He's guilty of that. And then the other side, who in this case would be someone who reports the Republican perspective on this, is saying, no, 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 that's not what really happened the guy at the bar, you know, gave him too much to drink, but he was sober. And the person who got hit jumped out in front of the car. 
That's the kind of you know rationalization people are doing to support this cause. The insurrection never happened, they say. Or maybe they're in such denial because when they saw what happened on TV, they went into a state of shock. They couldn't believe that that's what was happening in this greatest nation of ours. Either way, you know, I, I preach it over and over again. Things have got to change. We have got to learn as people to stand together no matter the color of our skin, the content of our character. We need to all bring ourselves to a place where we come first. We need to recognize that politicians will play politics on both sides of the aisle from the beginning to the end of time. And that some of us will benefit and most of us will not. If we want to change, we have to force a change at the top. There's nothing wrong with being Republican and wanting a decent president. There's nothing wrong with being Democrat and wanting a decent president. Some with morals, some with ethics, and someone with some heart, someone with the ability to stand on what they believe in. Someone who is not there when they, when they, when they, when they get elected, a you know, hundred days after they're in the office, they're thinking about getting reelected and they forget why they're there, who put them there, and the job they need to do there because of the promises that they make. Politicians need to be less concerned about winning a second term and more concerned about keeping the promises and making the lives of people better in their first term. Because if you fail to do that, then a second term is just exactly what it is, and that's greed and lack of character. Come on, people. We look at each other in the daily struggle of our lives, and many of us, most of us who don't meet the category of these rich and wealthy, know that we are, we are pawns of the game that we are losing. We need to stand together. We need to put our differences aside. And we need to remember that we have power in unity. Let's make ourselves look more like Generation Z. Let's make ourselves look more like those who seek to win. I, I, I beg of you, share my perspective, share my words, not for monetary gain. I don't do that. But so the conversation can get stronger, louder, so we can talk and we can come together and stand as one people and ensure that we have a government for the people, by the people. When they're finished with the, the, the inquiries into January, into the insurrection, I'll have a lot more to say then. Until then, until my next episode, I wish you a great week. I want to thank you so much for being who you are to this podcast. There's, there is uh, the TV version is coming real soon. I know I've been saying that, but I've been working towards it. It's pretty difficult to do all this as a one-man show. But I'm looking forward to it. I may look very clumsy in front of the camera when I start. But hopefully you'll embrace me and I'll embrace you the way I always have. And soon, we'll have a bigger platform making a bigger difference. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Your will, not ours, be done. 